Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Phoenix Rods and Electric Fishing. Um, today, we have the third piece of the Striper Roundtable. Uh, so hopefully, I can get all three of these guys together now on the podcast and do a Q&A. We'll do something live. But uh, this one was a great one. It was with uh, Rob Flada. You guys might know him as Big Rob. Um, he's kind of Butch's right-hand man. And he's kind of uh, one of the OG striper dudes. And I think in the SoCal saying he's really, really very good striper and largemouth fisherman. Has a lot of great information on this podcast. Thank you again, Rob, for coming on. It took a long time. And I know I kind of bring him out of his comfort zone. But uh, this was one of the realest podcasts I've ever done. This guy's the real deal for sure. Nice guy. Great guy. Real dude. So uh, please listen to this one and check out his bait company. Him and his friend Eddie, they do this company called Bottom Dweller Baits. Amazing bait. You guys got to check it out. I think they're doing a drop this uh, Friday, the 28th. I'm not Friday, Monday, maybe. I'm not sure. It's 628. They're dropping. Uh, you guys got to get these things. They're sick. And uh, I think they'll work in salt and fresh. I, I really do. Uh, I'm going to grab a couple and try them out. And uh, I hope you guys do too as well. Um, please, please go to Electric. And buy, now I got a new sunglass for you. This one I really like. It's the Tech One. Thank you, Shane Morgan, for turning me on to this one. If you are uh, you love those Lokes still like me, which I do, you know, the the uh, the stackers, I'm going to say, are great fishing glasses. Amazing. That's all I wear. But like I said, I don't want to feel like Fat Pitbull when I'm uh, out and about. And I don't want my wife and my kids making fun of me when I have those glasses on and, you know, nice clothes or something. And be like, a, <laughs> I just feel weird. So... I uh, got the Tech Ones. They're a lot different shape, but more of like a, I like Lokes. I'm a, you know, I like to lean like a Cholo and they're more like that shape. So if you guys like those, those type of shape of glasses, check out the Tech Ones. And what you need to do is go to the Electric Fishing website and enter code CC30. Okay. That gives you 30% off on a pair of glasses. This helps the podcast dramatically. Please go do that and tag me. Um, if you guys grab a pair, uh, hopefully maybe we could do something next month with electric. I'm going to see if I can hit them up and we'll do like a giveaway or something. And uh, yeah, so please go there, 
Check them out. Remember, it's CC30. And listen to this piece from Electric. Thanks, guys. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Again, CC30, I'm going to put that. I'm going to keep saying it over. CC30, enter that code, you get a great deal. Um, thank you, Electric, for sponsoring. Um, next thing is the Patreon. Thank you, Stray Rats, for sponsoring the Patreon this month. Another great thing to be part of. Uh, we're going to be doing more stuff on that as well. I'm just trying to get my feet back and... Getting getting everything in order. Uh, it, it'll. Uh, I got to get back on those videos. It's just been so much work. So instead of the video on the second tier, what you're gonna get is you're going to get the um, an, another couple baits in the second tier. That way, everyone has a chance at something cool. So please check that out. The Patreon. It's in our link. Check out the YouTube every Friday. I'm trying to get back on it and updating the YouTube. I'm also doing a new series on YouTube called Nine Seconds with Nick Head. So the shorter version is going to be on Instagram. The longer version is going to be on YouTube. It's uh, probably going to be like a, a one to three minute thing where I ask the guest different funny questions and they give me a quick answer. So um, check that out as well. Uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. I'd appreciate that. Positive review. And... Uh, I think that's it for the week. Next week will be some of them uh, Yuma guys. I can't wait to do that. Looking forward to that. And um, I got some uh, saltwater guys coming on as well. So I hope you guys like this episode. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube. Check out Electric. Check out Phoenix. And uh, check out the Patreon. Thanks again, guys, for listening. Today, we have a guy I've been trying to get fucking on for years. It's got to have been years. Uh, Rob Flodar, you might guys might know him as Big Rob. Um, he has a lot to say, so I guess we'll start off with, uh, what do you have to say, Rob? Uh, i just kind of start this off by, you know, apologizing to absolutely nobody, because if it comes out of my mouth, I mean it. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's the, the best thing. It's, it, if it's going to be real, Rob's going to tell the truth the way he feels about stuff. And uh, you don't get that a lot these days with uh, guys, especially uh, everything that goes on these days. But what uh, Rob is one of those guys I've been trying to get on that was able to be around Butch the whole time uh, from when he's younger and uh, kind of learn a lot from him. So let's talk about uh, when you got into fishing, like seriously got into fishing. And uh, how you went about it, where you kind of cut your teeth, stuff like that. You know, I've, I've always fished my whole life. You know, I, whether it be bluegill, whether it be largemouth, whether it be, you know, I got into the striper scene and that's something I really liked. And I became the striper guy that everybody wanted to know what I was doing and when I was doing it and whatever. And one day I was on the dam and this one, it started to get like really real for me. You know, we had a striper derby and we were fishing and 
Shane said, oh, do you know who that guy is that just passed? He said, that's Butch Brown. I said, I don't know who fucking Butch Brown is. <laughs> you know, I wasn't a bass guy. Yeah. I didn't, the bass, I fished stripers, dude. The bass didn't fight. I fished 30 pound in a fucking jig stick. They skied right in. Then I met Butch, you know, throughout the striper derby. And then ultimately I started working for him. How and old were you at that time? Probably about 20 seven 28 20 somewhere in there you know and he said uh he told me later he said you know why i hired you so you wouldn't be on the fucking water <laughs> you know but I, I i worked for butch for 20 years you know and i got to see it all from before the hud before a lot of these baits you know and the introduction to all of it and how we went about fishing things and keeping things a secret and you know, not a secret, and it really didn't matter. You know, Butch's theory was he could fish down the bank behind anybody and catch them. And I adopted that theory because a lot of guys, they show up to the lake, they launch their boat, they go counterclockwise around their normal spots, stuck on stuck. They do the same thing every day, and we would come in behind them and catch fish. Is that a big thing you took away from Butch? Is like, you cannot do the same fucking thing all the time. You know what I'm saying? It, dude, you cannot be stuck on stuck. A, a prime example is you could have fish going in the back of a cove every day for four days. You show up on the fifth day as your tournament, but on the way into the cove, that bait's direction got changed by the wind, a mudline, a bird, and the bait never went to the back of the cove. Therefore, the fish never go to the back of the yeah. cove. So if you don't adapt to your surroundings and pay attention to what's going on, well, you know, that goes for bass, for stripers, for the ocean. That goes for everything. You can't expect it. You have to adapt. And that's what makes a good fisherman. You know, there's guys that can go out there and read the meter and, you know, abandon what they've been doing for a week and do something totally different and have confidence that they're going to get bit. When you started uh, uh, fishing the dam, were you fishing uh, dead bait? Were you fishing lures at the time? Yeah, age? yeah. I used to fish the Z plug. And the first topwater I started fishing was the pupfish. And that was a great bait, you know. That bait wouldn't have been a great bait had Jeremy's bait came out before that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the punker was a great bait. It, it, it catches a lot of great fish. And we'll touch on that later. But... I started fishing the pupfish. I fished the Z plug for many years, which was made by a good friend of mine, Greg Silks, was a great, another great mentor and, you know, me taking things away from things I was taught. And uh, then from there, the HUD came. That was pretty stupid. Before that, Butch had the original thumper tail, which nobody ever had. And that was a full body thumper tail without a flat back. And that thing got bit like crazy. Osprey was a big part of it. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of baits you know again you just had to read the conditions one day they wanted top water one day they wanted a top water that didn't walk so i'd fish a z plug you know it all depended on wind direction and water clarity and which way the trout went whether they went towards the west ramp or they went towards the shoreline east shoreline you know it it just mattered but every time i went down there i didn't just go down there to fish i believed that i was going to catch a fish and some of the best fishing is three, four days after the plant when everybody's gone. And those fish don't have anything to eat at random anymore. So now they do find your lure. That makes a great point because you think they're going to, every day, the pattern, same thing, unless something's changed. So just like the fish get pushed into the cove, if they see that stock and every day they're hitting trout, 
two or three days later, they're going to do the same fucking thing. Well, these these fish, they, these stripers, you know, pyramid, for example, they don't get giant. They don't get big. Castaic back in the day, they don't get big because they just eat trout. I mean, dude, if they plant 900 pounds, the fishermen are going to take four. Yeah. The birds take two. What's that leave? Nothing. That leaves three. Yeah. You know, like... It, it, Trout just make stripers do stupid things because they go where they're not supposed to go. All the other forage in the lake stays in safe zones and the stripers have to search for them. Trout go out over a high spot where stripers hang out, you know, in deeper water and they make them get stupid. But once they get a taste of eating those trout and get into that thing, they're constantly looking. So when the trout disappear and your bait's there, then, you know, that's another great thing. Same thing goes with bass and the trout, you know. Do you uh, think that the biggest fish, like when you go to, to fish striper, are going to be doing those trout stockings or not really? Not for me. I, I, I try to stay away from all that. Okay. You know, I try to go where big fish don't want to run along the bank with 10 pounders and compete for a six to nine inch trout. Big fish want to either stay below them or stay out of the, their spots and those trout come to them, you know. They make mistakes. Yeah. And the uh, other thing in this one, Bobby always brings up is you're always thinking outside the box. And he said he would see you in waders like fucking chest deep out there casting. Well, the thing was back then, like when I caught the lake record, the lake was as full as it could be. So there was so much shoreline that was unfished because people could not. Yeah. They would not walk in the water. They would not do these things. I mean, waders don't really matter on the dam. That doesn't change anything. But when you're going onto the east shoreline and nobody can go over there, and you're the only one that's thrown on the point, you know, that dude, what more do you want? <laughs> so I figured out a way to do that. You know, the water's cold. It, it, it. I wouldn't do it now. Fuck, I'm almost 50 <laughs> years old, dude. I got fake parts in me now. I'm not trying to get in the cold ass water. But yeah. you know, it made sense back then, and I whether I was fishing largemouth or, you know, I used to be at the fin and feather all the time and I was in waders and then they made a rule because people were jealous, you know, they can't be in waders <laughs> anymore, but I got to fish a lot of stuff that nobody could put a boat in. There's no docks around. There's no access to, you know, you walk through all these trees and here's a big pocket, you know, and there's bass in there that haven't seen a lure. And it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes complete sense. Like, you know, and it's having that, that, uh, thinking outside the box mentality. I'm sure, you would go home all the time and think, man, what's what different? What can I do different? Something new, something different. It's always doing it's again, not getting stuck on stuck. And that's yeah. something that was taught to me by Butch. You know, he he always told me just don't get stuck in a in the rut. You know, two things he always taught me. Don't get stuck on stuck and put in what you take out. If we put in what we take out into this industry, if I take care of you when you take care of me, well that makes everything around you better. So many people these days are all about take, take, take. Nobody wants to give credit where credit is due. You know, I have no problem giving people credit if they deserve it. When did you see that start changing over the years? I never really seen it there. You never seen it happen? No, I, w I happened to be around a few people in my life that were, they believe in putting in what they took out. Butch taught me a lot, not only in fishing, but in work. He taught me work ethic that you it's it's dead it's not around anymore i very seldomly meet anybody that has any great worth ethic in the construction industry that's and a whole different topic man it is and it's like my my kids uh, just graduated and then they're like oh, i was going to school i'm like no join the union 
I'm like, dude, I know if he works hard, it'll, it's something that'll pay off and it's easy to do right now. A lot of kids nowadays don't want to do construction. That's a lot with school. everything. You know, these swim baits, they take work. You don't go out and throw a topwater and just catch a fish. Do you know how many hours I put in? <laughs> I, I remember at a time when the lake was changing and we had muddy conditions and things like that. And Butch went almost 100 trips, I believe, without oh, a bite. Not a fish, a bite. You know, other guys would not fish anymore. Yeah. Yeah, these guys would start, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, dude, it, they just give up. And that's yeah. the thing with big topwaters, big swim baits. Everybody wants to say that they're a swim bait guy. Just because you have a swim bait rod on the deck and you throw it for 10 minutes during the day, that doesn't make you a swim bait guy. And these guys, they... You know, they go out and the, the, the big problem is, is they're always changing. So you, you can't really say they didn't eat the swim bait today because you didn't throw it through the six cycles of the day, seven cycles of the day, depending on the moon phase, things that you've got going on. You didn't throw it during those times. You didn't throw it when the wind was changing direction. You didn't throw it when the moon was underneath you. You only threw it in the morning for 10 minutes. You said they weren't eating it. You fished a buzz bait, a drop shot, a spinner bait and an Ica the rest of the day. Yeah. Like, what did you consistently fish? You can't tell me that they didn't eat any one of those things. What's the biggest takeaway then? Like, if someone, say, you want to be, like, that swim bait guy, like, what would you say someone should start at? Is like, sure, you'd have to know a conventional fish somewhat, but stick to one bait? Is that the one thing and learn it? Or Only If you want to fish a swim bait, if you want to, let's, let's say you want to get a depth fish. Yeah. Okay. Let's say you want to get a bottom dweller fish. There you go. That's the one you really okay. want. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but let's say you want to get a bottom dweller fish. Take a few baits, a few hooks, maybe two rods in case you have a problem with one, and fish it all day. You'll get a fish. Mm -hmm. You know, and that goes for anything. Top water. You want to fish top water? Don't take things that swim on the bottom. <laughs> take top water to the lake. Right. You know, don't. Don't half-ass it. If you want to be all in, be all in. You know, you, there there are days when, you know, I might have three different setups on my boat, but that's because I'm checking out three different things. But when I go to the lake and I'm going to fish this, I might have three or four rods on the on the deck, but they're all the same. That's the that's another one is sticking to that bait and not bringing something else because it's like tempting as shit. You know, if that jerk bait might be there you catch you know some fives or sixes but you're trying to throw that big depths for the thing it's like easy to pick that up you it, know? it is it, it is but it's it's easy in anything in life to go yeah. the easy route swim baiting is not an easy route you know people make it look easy because we have videos these days and they'll put up 10 minutes worth of footage of four different fish but you don't realize that that took them four months to get those fish <laughs> Or the dude change his shirt five times with that fish. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Shirts, hats, multiple pictures. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've seen it all. So when you learned, the, I think the biggest takeaway I've had from you, Shane, and Stefan, is to be quiet. To not open your mouth about certain bites. Um, when did you learn about that? And when did you learn, like, hey, I'm getting fucking burnt? Very early. You know? Um, it, there's no secret. I, I used to fish a lot at night. Yeah. And in the beginning, I was taught a few things by a couple of people that were around for a long time, and it changed quickly for me. Um, there was a, a bait that was given to me. I forgot my lure bag. I showed up to the lake. I, there was an off color that was given to me. Well, I ended up getting a 30 on it that night at Silverwood. And it quickly became a, 
a staple. I fished it all the time. The other thing is, is I was taught to fish slow. Oh, you got it. Oh, no, you got it. You think you're reeling too slow, reel slower for the stripers. Well, I was reeling faster. And here's where that came, comes in. And it comes in with swim baits and every bait around the board for me when it applies itself. The more casts I make, the higher my percentage is. So if I made 300 casts, you're 100 casts, and you're wondering why I caught eight fish and you only caught two, I, I fished more. It's a percentage thing, man. You still do that to this day? You'll try to make the our. I yep. guess it's precise too. Like if you're going to go to a spot, you want to hit that spot with as many casts. Or you can spook them or like. It might not be as many casts, but it's still a percentage thing to me. Okay. If I go out there and I fish the bottom dweller and my percentage, my bites on this are four to five pounders. Or I can fish a drop shot, which I don't. Mm -hmm. but, <laughs> <laughs> but I can fish a smaller bait and I might catch 20 fish. But my my five bites fish clean on the bait that I believe I should be fishing will beat your 20, 30, 40 bites 98% yeah. of the time. Again, it's a numbers thing. And, and it's all up to the fishermen to figure out where their numbers come in best. Yeah. It might be amount of casts. It might be the bait that you're presenting. And you might go all day long with only getting five bites. There was a time when I used to fish Piru and other night tournaments and day tournaments for a couple of years where I kicked the shit out of everybody, man. But granted, I had the depths before so everybody else. So that's another else. question I had was you tournament fish as well, um, and you have for for many years. Uh, how was that And when you know had to change your technique up a little bit from the swim bait fishing or whatever it might be to actually you know, doing a little more to make sure you get those bites. Well, I always based my tournament approach around the swim bait because I believe that my five bites, again, would beat you 98% of the time if I landed them. And I didn't even have to land them all. Maybe I only landed three and then I caught two on a a Cinco or mm -hmm. I used to fish crankbait a lot. Um, the spinnerbait, another thing that Butch taught me to fish. And it's not just your typical spinnerbait fisherman. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, it's very slow. It's methodical. It's, it's all for a reason, you know, and uh, the Osprey used to fish the Osprey like a jig. I could fish it uphill on a dam and never lose a bait, you know, and touch every rock on my way, but I got bit doing it. And you have to kind of learn yourself. I might not be able to, I'll throw the depths in an area in the beginning. I might have a bunch of followers, mm -hmm. but where my boat is, where I start is precise. I'm just not aimlessly. I used to start in the shallows in the marina at Piru, and I would draw the fish from all around into the shallows and they would stay. <laughs> and I would let myself move out to the deep water and then I would fish them that way. You mean just the drawing power of the bait? Yes. The, like having the bait come Whatever I caught was a bonus. I was trying to bring things to that area from around other structures. And you can make a long cast. And people watch me do it for a while. And they'd be like, dude, what is that bait? And I'd be like, oh, it's a prototype. <laughs> but the bait had already been out for years. You yeah. know, every nobody just gave it a shot. And uh, Butch figured it out he was turned on to it by two other people yasso and fumi and yeah you know who are great guys and butch just took it to a whole nother level man and he gave me a bait and i kept it quiet and it was epic how epic was it when you first got it like was it like oh it was ridiculous go and you throw it a couple times to start getting bit well it's definitely a learning curve yeah. it wasn't a huddleston the huddleston epic 
Really? You know, like you had a guy on here not too long ago last year. He said there is no magic bait. Bullshit. <laughs> Again, I apologize to nobody. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about because that was a magic bait. The depths but was a magic you're, maybe bait. Maybe what, what they're saying, do you think there's a magic bait nowadays? So because you got to experience a different era, right, as well. So do you think that's still the magic bait? You know what I'm saying? Is there a magic bait? There's a magic currently? bait for something. Yeah. There's a magic bait for big stripers. It's right there. right there. Yeah. And that's the Fin Bait Customs, man. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. There's a magic bait for, you know, different things. Look at when the Ned rig first broke True. the scene. That's a magic bait. Any dummy could go out and throw it. And I'm not calling you guys dumb. No, no. But I'm just saying any of the talentless people could go out and throw this. And that's how the Huddleston was in the beginning. And there was a lot of stuff that people didn't even, they, they didn't even know things were being caught on the Huddleston when it was being caught. Everybody wants to say they were in the beginning of this. The only person that was in the beginning of this was Butch. Yeah, that's the, I, I have heard the same story. So when Butch got it and you got it, because I love hearing like how epic the bites were, was it like, okay, this is how you rig it. You had a different type of rod because you didn't really have a rod to throw it at the time. We or? didn't even know how to rig it. Really? We fished it stock. Then I tied a treble hook on the back with Power Pro. Now, everybody can say they were the first ones to do something, but I'm telling you right now, the first person to come up with all that rig, if it wasn't me, it was Butch, and Butch did the majority of it. He was the first one to ever put a frog hook on it, and the reason why I say that is because he was the first one that had the bait. And there was a year period, almost, that nobody had the bait unless he gave it to them. Everybody can say that they got in with Kenny, but they got in with Kenny in 2005. Yeah. I listened to the stories. You don't forget your epic years. So you can't backpedal now and say, oh, I meant 2004. <laughs> yeah. 2004 was the year. It was ridiculous, dude. I was up top fishing stripers. It was the most unbelievable thing. You were you were using for stripers. Oh, I, I went up top. I, I would fish a couple times. You know, I'd fish with Butch here and there in the boat. But, dude, I was a striper guy, man. Yeah. I, I mean, the bass were cool. It was cool to catch a 10-pounder. I stopped counting them. It wasn't... When I first met Butch, he didn't even take pictures of 10-pounders. Had to be a teener, dude. You know? That's wild. And, and then the Huddleston came, and it, it, was, it was pretty dumb, man. I could go down there in my waders on the shore, and uh, I cut Butch off one time. <laughs> I said, where do I fish? He said, just fish. I fished his next spot, you know? And I learned later, you don't do that. But, you know, I had... A 13 a 12 lost a big one you know he had three in the live well sean james from jt tackle was in the boat he didn't even want to take pictures because he didn't even get bit and butch again fished behind sean all day long gave wow. sean all the prime shot spots oh so. that's yeah that's a good guy right there yeah so um when you uh when did you transition more into green bass because the tournament thing i don't think i ever did you just do the you just do it for the, the thing was obviously i I used to night fish a lot and the problem with night fishing is that it drains you so i they might plant trout i would fish then and then i would figure out it might take me two or three days to figure out when they were eating and that was a key to my success is because i was taught by greg that these fish feed every four days as a group in the masses not that you caught four fish on the first night what night did you do the best on what night did you see the most action that's the night okay take a couple nights off and come back on the fourth night and tell me how it works and it became a pattern for me might not work for everybody but it worked for me 
And there were many times where Butch would wake me up in the morning for work. I'd be sleeping in his driveway. I came from the lake to the house to work, back home. I eat dinner, hang out yeah. with the kids for a bit. And then when they went to sleep, I went back to the lake. And that's, you know, I, I, I beat the shoreline. That's what I did. And then when the tournaments came in, then I just readapted the striper fishing. You know, I just started fishing more stuff offshore in the daytimes and, you know, doing that kind of stuff. But stripers, they'll never, never go away from me. It's yeah. always a passion. Yeah. that's And so the lake record, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, the day you did it and everything. That was an amazing day. <laughs> the, the bite was great. The bite had been great all week. Um, we're getting towards the end of the day and that fish was caught on a hood. And I would have never had that fish had that fish realized it was hooked. And then kept that fish in the cooler, brought it back in the morning. Dave Keys was a good friend of mine, tournament director. He ran the marina. He weighed it. We cut it. You know, no questions asked. There was always, always. So when uh, you say you cut it, is it to check there's no? Oh, yeah. yeah we cut the stomach open, you know, just, uh. just so people couldn't say nothing, you know, <laughs> because the lake record prior to that was held by somebody that there was a lot of rumors about. And then the lake record beside that was held by Alan Cole who I'm not talking trash against because I yeah. just respect everything that forms everything. And he was part of the beginning and forming stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people said that was a river fish and the other fish didn't weigh what they said it weighed. And, you know, so I wanted this to be there. But to be honest with you, dude, I wish I'd never even caught that fish. Why? Because everybody's got something to say. Oh, he caught it on a live trout. They'll never fucking say it to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I hear it, and then I ask them, and they're like, oh, I heard it from this person. I'm like, well, fuck, dude. Do, do, do I tell that person to slap you, or do I fucking slap you? Like, keep my name out of your fucking mouth. The bait was that good. The yeah. Huddleston was that good. That, that lake record will probably last forever, because that lake is shit now. They've ruined that lake, dude. What, what now? What has been... Well, it's almost all the way back down to where it was last year. And that's the big... The almost water. down to 1,400. Oh, my now. gosh. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous, dude. And I heard that they're going to redo the work on the tower and just all this shit. It's horrible. It's just yeah. they killed the spawn this year. They were raising it and, you know, the bait capacity. And every lake needs to be cold, but, you know, it just sucks. That was a great fishery. It's but, gone now, you think? it's Maybe it'll come well, back in years. I mean, I mean, Well, giant bass-wise, yeah. it was. I believe it was gone. Uh, there are still some giant bass in there. Don't get me wrong. Dude. There's still some really, really big special fish in there. But it's not what it used to be. And now, I don't know. Last year, I caught two fish out of there that were 25 pounds. Those are the biggest fish in a long time that I've known that have come out of there. Yeah. And that was on Tanner's bait when I first started fishing it. You know? And, dude six to eight pounds six to ten pounds sucked up stripers i mean yeah all day long stefan knocks the shit out of that lake and he puts a lot of time in on that lake and even he can't get the better bites in the his presentation you yeah. know here and there we come across a good fish we talk about it but it's not like it used to be the lake average used to be 15 to 18 pounds like fuck dude if you got a 10 pounder you better not take a picture of that shit <laughs> i'm sure yeah and even the largemouth i mean the stories shane's told about you guys fishing them and oh you yeah know, catching was, tons of double digits you know well it was a great lake dude i mean i i i haven't caught massive amounts of numbers of double digits up there but a lot mm -hmm. you know the lagoon was my primary thing and i got, got a couple other little special lakes you know last year i had a great year up at pyramid you know sorry guys 
I know. I was going to be like, there you go. I'm going to bleep that out right now. No, I don't, you know, you've still got to fish. You've still got to fish, you know. At the end of the day, you you still got to go out and catch them. You could know everything, what somebody's doing, where they're fishing, what they're doing. You still got to go out there and put in the time. Not yeah. sleep in and give me a bunch of excuses why you couldn't get up in the fucking morning. You know, you can put in all the time to go to the fucking bar. Get up in the morning and go to the lake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the punker because that was kind of a bait on its own. You know, I mean, uh, when it came out, remember, like, talk about that a little bit. Maybe line you're using some of the fish catches, how to work it correctly, how to work it your way. The punker was a great bait. And in the very beginning, I had heard about the punker and everybody contributed the punker and thought about the punker for bass. I know it's hard to think that now, yeah. but that's what people used to think. And Jeremy, in the beginning, he didn't have the best sales in the cold months. His bait sold in the warm months. Me and Butch started fishing that bait up there on the dam, catching fish in front of people, and Dave Keese would put it in the paper. Jeremy's sales went great, you know, I, and I'm not taking credit for Jeremy's yeah, sales. He, he made a great product. And like I said in the beginning, had his punker come out before the pupfish, well, the pupfish would have never even mattered that that bait was nothing what the punker is you know the punker's a great bait mm -hmm. but you know going forward with the punker i fished it for many years i love to fish it on 20 pound p-line mm -hmm. and a swim bait rod i fished the same hud on it used to be B uh, the bbrc from loomis and then it went to the 957 and i just believe in having one rod and being able to fish it i might have five of that rod but Every time I pick something up, it feels the same to me. And the punker contributed for a lot of fish, you know, catches for me and other people around me. And uh, I got the 10 inch punker from Jeremy. That was a great bait. Um, took a minute to get some fish on it because it's not an easy bait to figure out. Most guys couldn't throw it. It's a very demanding bait to go out and throw for a couple of hours, let alone all day long. Yeah. A special rod, heavier line. It's a very heavy bait. Um, Lost my bait to a, a good fish, probably in the 30-pound class, oh, you know, which is, that's that's like the the biggest fish that I've ever caught on a punker was that one that took that bait, and I didn't land it, you know, I chased it around for a little while, and it went down and got stuck on something, and I never got the bait back. Last year, I came across Tanner's bait. Okay. And... Did you have a relationship with Tanner previously with the bait? No, no, I had talked to him a little bit, and... uh he had two of the great grandpas were the first two mm -hmm. and he sent two of them out and the other guy he sent them to sent the other one to sent it back said it didn't swim who was, who was that guy <laughs> his name his name's abe i don't i don't i don't i don't even talk to the guy anymore but i know i know someone else got one too that well was. <laughs> then that original one got sold to my buddy danny who okay. owns bassaholics okay. and danny bought 10 from him after we went to diamond valley and i showed him this bait and i how just, did it go at diamond valley just kicked the bit. shit out of him dude but it's it's all about you know i figured the first time i took this bait out i took shane out fishing and he was just working 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 you know he hadn't had time to fish so we went out i took him on the boat we went fish bass caught a bunch of bass all day long and I said, dude, you got to see this fucking topwater bait, dude. Wrong rod, wrong reel. I throw it out in the wind, dude. I'm working it. I'm like, look at that, dude. I get the snap. You know, I've already kind of figured the bait out. And uh, I get blown up on. And the next blow up is 25 pounds, dude. And I'm oh, on. Fuck. Shane throws the depths out behind that and sticks one about 20. We get that one in the net. And then I have a bunch of other fish come off. And I'm like, oh, my God. And they just, they were on it. 
So I went back up there and I caught another one in the 25 pound class and several other fish. And then I started dialing the bait in and I put a bucktail on the bait yeah. on the back and that keeps the bait from overrunning itself. This bait works so well and I work it so aggressively that it'll overrun the line because it wants to slide so far. Yes. So with the bucktail, it slows it down, keels oh, the back out. Oh, okay. So it allows me to control the bait better on an aggressive presentation. And then uh, started fishing it up at Pyramid. And again, did not go out to fish it this day that this happened. I was out with my buddy Daniel and we pulled up on a point and I threw it out and I wanted to show him how great it walked. And these fish blew up on it and one stuck. This fish never knew he was hooked. And it was, it's the best striper I've ever had close to me. And I'm a drywaller. I know what 48 inches yep. is. Yeah, yeah, every of sheet course. of drywall is 48 inches long. This fish was every bit of five feet long. And I wound it straight to the boat. It never knew it was hooked. I just led it to the boat. My buddy put the net out, which <laughs> was for not because the fucking fish wasn't going in that net. The fish turned, realized he was hooked, and the, it flew out. And it's on It's on video. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Really? The fish is so big, you know. And I went back up there, and I put in some time. And then that week on that spot, that particular, all the conditions lined up. We had a, a massive storm. Um, I hooked five fish, including that one that week, and that 38 that was in Western Outdoor News last year, 37, whatever it was, mm -hmm. was the smallest one I hooked. And they ripped the hooks out of the bait. I thought I got broke off a couple of times. The problem was is I'd have to bring the fish up into the shallows. That's where I had to position myself to make these casts so they don't know I'm there. Mm -hmm. And the American Shad were up on the flat, and the big striper stayed out off the break, and they would come up there. And if something ventured out, obviously it got eaten. And I didn't want to kill the, the fish, but he ate the, the bait so far down, he ripped one of his gills and it just it? wouldn't go away, you know. So was I, it uh, delicious? Yeah, that yeah, was great. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Do you ever see uh, The Simpsons when Homer eats the fucking lobster named Pinchy? And oh, he's yeah. Crying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I killed that. I killed a, I When I went, I killed the smaller of the calico, and I don't like killing them when I'm fishing and i'm like fuck i feel like shit you know but i'm like fuck it everyone kills calicos every you know oh, yeah yeah <laughs> but i mean uh so you were on the boat this whole time for when fishing uh yeah okay. the boat and did a little shore fishing and then and then it's you know i i try to throw other baits out there and uh i'm gonna give tanner a lot of credit i fished the punker and maybe it just wasn't my luck to catch a giant on mm -hmm. the punker yeah. Because I know guys that have caught good fish on the punker. Yeah. But Tanner came up with something in this bait, to me, that draws big fish to the surface. And what is that? At, at, I don't know if it's the water displacement. I don't know if it's just the fact that you can fish this bait all day long and it's a bigger bait. And typically with giant topwaters, they're heavy and you can't fish them all day long it's demanding i'm a big guy dude i do drywall every day i throw around sheets of drywall boxes of mud are 50 pounds i work it's mm -hmm. physical and some baits wear you out i can fish this bait all day long and when everybody thinks that they're fishing a big bait i'm fishing the great grandpa yeah so not the grandpa and then i told tanner that it i need a bigger bait <laughs> I see the fish that are up there. So Tanner made me this bait. Fuck, man. And, that thing's fucking huge. Yeah. 
and he did just a phenomenal job. And I, I've been working a lot lately, so I haven't had time to put it. Oh, put so in you the time. just got that one from town? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I've had it for a minute, and I just, I just haven't had time to go out and and put in the time that I need to. I'm kind of still doing the tournament thing for the rest of the year this year, and okay. the summer months aren't exactly the best to go out and target big stripers. You know, you, first thing in the morning, and then the evening, and there is that midday bite, but. I'm not saying it isn't going to happen. It's just not something that I can do right now. Um, you guys do. I mean, when I got my first one and I started retrieving it, I'm like, I don't know how the fuck to do it. So Shane kind of told me, you guys, and I seen Tanner do it in person, you know, at Silverwood. You guys kind of work the rod a little different than you would a punker, right? I mean. Um, for me, it's completely different. With the punker, I work the punker different than a lot of other people. I work the punker like I work a spook. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm fishing a swim bait rod and a Calcutta 400 back then, now I fish a Tranks because it's just much more comfortable. Yeah. And I work the bait with my wrist. My rod is not tucked into my side. I don't need to be physical with it. I can work a punker in the width of this table five times. And here's... The reason why I do that, these stripers, they're moving 100 miles an hour. And a lot of times you draw them up out of deeper water. They like to be in deeper water in the daytime because they don't like the light. Mm -hmm. There are scientific facts to why they don't like the light. You guys can figure that out yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but these fish come up out of deep water and they boil on this bait. And people are working the bait aggressively with the rod against their body. Well, you're moving three, four feet of line. So when this fish comes up and swirls on it and you've worked it two more times, you're now, you know, four to eight feet away from where that fish came up. He turns back around to find it and the bait's gone. Well, when I'm working it with my wrist, it's snapping back and forth in a shorter area and the fish come back and get it. Oh, That's you're, my you're percentage, theory. percentage thing where yeah. you're going to get a better percentage because you have a tighter. You're staying area. in the zone. Yeah. You know, you're not pulling the bait away. You know, that's like a lot of people get bit. They know the fish doesn't have the bait. They swing. The bait now goes five feet away and the fish doesn't come back for it. Yeah. You know, it's like frog fishing. Wait till you feel it, man. Yeah. You don't always got to swing. <laughs> but with the fin bait, what's kind of your... your um, the thing with that bait is I got way more aggressive. Now, I fish a nine-foot rod with this bait. I fish a seven-to-one reel. I've tried a lot of different things. Do you have a custom rod? Um, no, this is a, this is a Phoenix. What kind of gun? The 909. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, Phoenix makes a great product for me for the freshwater, dude. I, I will not deny that. But uh, I fish an, a 909, and I nobody else fishes a nine-foot rod. No. You know, but it moves the right amount of line for me. It feels comfortable for me. I fish a Lexa 7 to 1. Okay. Not a Trank 7.6. It's too fast. Not a six four; it's too slow. The seven to one picks up a great, wow. the right so you have amount a of perfect, line. Perfect, it's perfect. That's it. How it's many, one. how many uh, different reels did you go through to find that perfect reel? Just two, three, three. Wow. Yeah, three. I, you know, I, I was always partial to the Calcutta four hundred because of line capacity, and, and mm -hmm. that's what I just cut my teeth on. And actually, four the Daiwa Snakehead is a little bit faster. It's like a three hundred Calcutta style, you yeah. know, um, just cast great. Then I tried the Tranks, and then I tried the Lexa, which actually Butch bought for me, I don't know, for a gift or for something, and I used in the ocean for a little rip bait thing that I used to fish, and I put 25-pound P-line on it, and I fished it, and it was right. <laughs> it was, and that's all I fish, and I broke the handle on the reel twice. So you're using P-line for, for your... I only use P-line for topwater. No braid? I don't fish braid on topwater. Well, number one, because... Anybody that you meet that is fished with me, I can cast 
well. Let's I, just say I agree. Not, I saw him on the bowcast. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to make myself out to be this uh, professional caster, but you know, a big thing with me when I used to fish the punker on the dam, I only cared about the first seventy to fifty feet of my cast because that was unfished water. Other people aren't casting out there. Um, I can cast and P line casts the best. Max is a great line. There's lots of other monos, but back to the braid thing is I load the rod so much that if you have a problem with braid, like dude, you'll cut, you'll have to cut it all off your reel. Yeah. If you backlash when you load that much, well, you should go buy a lottery ticket after you get it out. If you get it out because you're a lucky motherfucker, man. Yeah. I, I love braid. I love the top shot presentation. I fish a lot of salt water. I do great in the salt water. I have my ways of doing things there. But when it comes to this bait in my garage is a rod and a reel that only this bait goes on. Okay. When I go to the lake, it's on the deck. If I throw it, I throw it. If I don't, I don't. I spool it fresh every time I go. P-line, every time. P line does not last. Yeah, I buy bulk spools of twenty pound Shit. or twenty five pound. Used to throw twenty, but this bait's a little bit more demanding. And the caliber of fish that I'm hooking, I want a little bit more. Not so much. I mean, you're not going to break it on a straight pole unless mm-hmm. there's a problem. But when the hooks get wrapped around or stripers got gill plates and there's always something, you know. So having that little bit of extra insurance, I'm okay with that. I don't want to lose this bait. What about stretch when you're setting the hook? Is it this different than the braid? No. You know what I'm, I'm saying? Like, um, I, I, braid is aggressive, man. It's direct. Mm-hmm. It's direct. If you have a flaw, braid will tell you about it. Yeah. If you have a bad knot on your connection to your fluorocarbon or whatever else you're fishing if you have a nick in your braid you want that's 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 a big thing too you will never know if you have a nick in your braid visually you might see one here or there but if you have a problem with your braid the hooks get fouled up on a lot of topwater baits a lot of the time and if you're not fishing a piece of mono in front of your braid you're not going to know if you have a flaw until you set the hook yeah and now you lost a fish and your bait yeah and you might be fortunate to get your bait back when he shakes it, but for the most part, it doesn't work out that way. Did you start off with braid in the beginning, though? Nope. Never, huh? Nope. It's not what I was taught. I started <laughs> off with Iser line, fishing stripers. Yeah. And then P line with butch. And then I went to fluorocarbon with a few things. And then, you know, I'm not saying I started butch fishing fluorocarbon, but, you know, it, it worked out that way. But I think it works that way. If you fish with someone, you're going to take input from them. And I'm sure Butch respect you enough to go like, oh, Rob came up with this. This He gave me kind of something different to think about. Well, you know? I gave him a, a fluorocarbon that wasn't superior, and he found the superior one. <laughs> That's the thing a, a, about him is if he fishes it, there's a reason why he fishes it. It's not because he, number one, couldn't afford the others. Number one, couldn't come across the others. He's tried it all. And everything that he tried and didn't work, guess who got that? Because I was the guy that, oh, you're going to throw that away? I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> well, guess what? Three years later, I threw it away. Yeah. You know, there, <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason for everything with that man. And uh, I, I just, I don't change what works. I don't believe that you should go change it if it's not broke. No. How do they say it? Not broke, don't fix yep. it. Yep. Not broke, don't fix yeah. it. Yeah. No, yeah. 100%. I mean, that's, that's just a learning curve as well for people if you buy different baits it's almost like you know what bait you're gonna throw now a lot of the older school guys with the swim baits say there's only like three baits they need do you try new swim baits do you try new you know what i'm saying i do try new swim baits to a certain extent but 
I believe in fishing what you're good at fishing. Okay, so when I go to the lake and I think about fishing, I will have a swim bait that's in the lower water column. I might have the same swim bait that's modified that fishes other water columns. I might have a top water. I always take a spinner bait that is like a surgeon with that thing. There's only one person better, in my <laughs> opinion. That's the guy that taught me. Um, that, that There's a few baits that I take. I I don't say that there's only three swim baits that you could have because how, what three do you, what three do you pick for that? No you know, there's yet. the HUD, there's the mag, uh, there's Nate baits. There's, there's so many great baits out there that have the same presentation, just a different tail wiggle. That's basically the only thing that changes it these days. I mean, how many forms of the trout can you make? Bottom dwellers <laughs> making a great bait. How yeah. many more baits out there are like this? And why we were making this bait and coming up with this bait, Eddie and myself, you know, we decided to make something that was, had it all. It has a tail wiggle. It has a body shimmy um, back and forth. It has a head wiggle. And it's, well, why, why that size? It's the most convenient size. Okay. Okay. Um, not necessarily saying I'm going to catch more fishermen with this size, but this is the size that we got bid on consistently. We have a bigger one. We have a smaller one. You guys will never see a smaller one. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Um, but bottom dwellers, we, we just decided that this was a direction we were going to go with a six inch. Um, we, we named it the shiner. And a lot of time and effort went into this bait to figure out how to get different things. And everybody wanted to know, how come you're not selling it yet? How come you're not selling it yet? Well, when we first came out with the bait, there was no meat, not enough meat in the back. So one fish, one bait. I can't sell you a bait and you catch one fish. Yeah. You're going to email me or message me on Instagram and I'm going to ignore you because I'm not a big <laughs> responder. But uh, it wasn't right. And we wanted to make sure we covered all the bases. And after we got that dialed in and Eddie got all that figured out, then Eddie figured out that the nose was blowing out now. And I went out to the lake and fished it. And he figured out that we needed to add more meat to the nose. So we had to shorten the pocket in the front. Mm -hmm. And until we made the right product and it was consistent and swam great, held up to a certain extent. This bait's not going to last forever. Yeah, of course. You know, no bait lasts forever. Um, we decided not to put it out and now it's going to be coming out on the 28th of the 28th of this month. We'll do a drop. How many are you going to drop? Uh, we don't know yet. Just got a <laughs> few more molds. So we're able to pour, um, multiple baits. Um, when you're pouring baits and you have to wait in an extended period of time to use that rubber, your clear goes from clear to now have a yellow hue to it. And it's not because you did anything wrong, it's just because it's staying warm for so long, it changes. Yeah. And now we have more cavities so we can make more baits. You know, packaging is an issue and we'll figure that out. And uh, we had to come up with a price point, not quite sure on where we're gonna stick that. It's within a dollar or two of, you know, 25 for three, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's over and um, everything's getting a little more expensive these days. It's not something we're trying to get rich on. We just want to try to put out something. Both me and Eddie have full-time jobs. You know, don't want to come home and have 95 orders on Instagram and have to worry about filling those. Eddie is a big family man. Mm -hmm. He works hard. 
I work hard. I'm a big family man. We both love to fish and have other hobbies. I fish both salt and fresh. Eddie gets seasick, so he doesn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's not a lot of time to make stuff. So that's the reason for the drops, if anybody's wondering, you know, because you can control it. Like in the beginning with Tanner, Tanner got overwhelmed with orders. And we talked about it when I caught some big fish and I asked him if he wanted me to post him. I'm all, dude, you're, you're going to blow up. It's not that it's all me. Mm-hmm. It's who knows me and then who they talk to and who they talk to and who they, it's a circle. And, you know, I have no problem helping out Tanner. I believe in putting in what you take <coughs> out again. And Tanner does that. You know, I have multiple baits that he's made for me. He makes great littler ones, better ones, bigger ones. So, but in the beginning when he was just taking random orders, yeah. well, you kind of get overwhelmed. You got 75 orders this week alone and it takes three weeks to make a batch and you can't make 75 in a batch. So how do you control that? And the drops, the drops, that's the way to go. I, I agree. And uh, even the price pointing on some of the stuff, I'm like, and the hard part nowadays is you get copycats. Well, the thing yeah. with, with, with this bait, with the punker, um, as far as the wood punker goes, I know it costs a lot to make the injected punker. Again, not taken away from Jeremy's stuff. Yeah. Um, but when you when Tanner makes one of these, it's all handcrafted. Each one of them is touched with his hand. Each one of them has to be made, and not every piece of wood swims the same. He has to test them before he paints them, make modifications to them. Pray to God he doesn't drop one before it's finished. You know, there's another issue. Yeah. Like it. it Time and effort goes into it, man. And when you think about the amount of hours you put into one bait, you know, how, how do you rate your time versus money? People are like, oh, can I get that bait for a hundred bucks? Well, a hundred bucks, I probably put a combined, <laughs> you know, let's say you put six hours. Let's say you just put 10 to make the math easy. Okay. So now it's $10 an hour. That's what I'm fucking worth to you. I make a great bait that catches big ass fish yeah. and you want to pay me 10 bucks an hour. Yeah. Well, that's another thing is I go, like, if I fish something, like, like for instance, if I fish this, okay, and I go, hey, um, I caught, you know, three, five pound calico. Say, I'm, that's what I'm using it for. And I wasted all the bait. Is $25 worth it to me? Fuck yeah. Like, a five pound fish is worth, you know, a certain amount of money. If I catch a 10, fuck, that's worth 200 bucks, 400 bucks, dude. Yeah. If it's yeah. if I've been working for that fish, so in my mind, and I've seen a lot of bait makers deal with this too, uh, you know, they're raising their prices. Everything's inflating. Everything. And I feel like if you don't want it, then don't fucking pay for it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh and it it's time. And I, even doing this like I can know by doing the podcast, it's like taking a lot of fucking time. Yeah, dude. An effort, dude, to do things like these. So I get when bait makers raise their prices and it's fucked. You can't get one sometimes with this just how it is you know? well that's how you know uh, you you get what you pay for okay and you can't compare this to a cheaper topwater you can't compare this or the punker to a cheaper topwater nobody should ever compare something that's not inferior you know that you, you you shouldn't compare apples and oranges like don't compare me to a 16 year old kid who has no experience <laughs> let me just get that out of the way but uh you know, you, you, you get what you pay for. It, you want to go to Walmart and buy cheap swim baits? Go to Walmart and buy cheap swim baits. You want to buy a swim bait that's dialed in? Buy a bottom dweller. Yeah. Okay, we put a lot of time and effort into this. Eddie, more than me. You know, he, he's very methodical about what he does. 
I, I, I test shit and I figure out what goes wrong, man. Yeah. I have input on, on things as they go on. But this went through a lot, man. Back and forth shipping, changing molds, changing the cab. It, it's just, it's endless. Yeah. And when you think about all that money, you don't think about that as wasted money. But before we make any money on this bait, the rest of it has to be recovered. And, you know, people think even if, let's say we sold it for 25 for three which is in the ballpark of where it's going to be. Yeah. But 25 for three, people are like, oh my God, I don't know. You know, I can go to Walmart and buy the storm. You know, I can get five in a pack for $9. Well, fucking, fucking go buy it. <laughs> you know, the storm didn't fucking come up with all this shit, dude. Yeah. The storm knocked off a fucking nether bait and that's what they make. You know, that's how those guys do it. They let guys go out and fucking put in all the hard work and then they copy it. And the industry sucks when it comes to the copying thing. I know. I've, I've seen, even Jeremy's came up with a lot of the, people copying shit there is and nowadays man. it's like it's, there's a lot of the same bait out there, there. is you know i what i compare tanner's bait copy and jeremy's bait not even in the ballpark dude this no. is a totally different baits different wood different presentation different style he didn't he didn't draw a mandrel and then just go from there you know he, he made a completely different bait jeremy makes a great bait in its own rights and that's that tanner's bait is completely different um, there are other baits on the market that are copy and Tanner's bait, and I have seen a shit ton of baits copy yeah. Jeremy's bait, and they don't last. Why don't they last? Because nobody puts in the fucking hard work to make the bait. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. They think they're going to turn a quick buck on somebody else's fucking idea. And the universe doesn't let it work like that. Name one company that knocks people off that is still around. The originals are still around. Yeah. How many companies tried to follow in the footsteps of Kenny's bait? Okay, there was a lot of controversy in that, you know, and none of those baits are still around. Some of them made modifications and they're still around and, you know, hats off to them. Yeah. I fished some of them and they're great baits, but the majority of them, they made a quick buck and then they fell by the weight. And I'm sure you've seen it through the fucking years oh, yeah. of fishing, you know, for 20-something years. A hundred percent, along with fishermen, you yeah. know. Fishermen are great at selling their self. Ninety percent of the fishermen these days, sorry guys, like I said, I ain't apologizing to nobody. They're office chair and internet fishermen. <laughs> Everybody has, there are guys that go out and make fucking videos on baits that they do not know what they're doing. They just watched how to fish it on a thing or they know somebody that fishes them and they go out and they make a video. And when you make a video on something that you never fish, like 
I don't know you we were talking about earlier before we got on this podcast mm-hmm. that you can you can look right through these fucking people it's yeah because it's you talk to so many people this is fucking 256 seven eight episodes I've talked to enough dudes where I can tell by the type of person it is it's like you're reading a fucking tweaker or something you know when someone's a fucking tweaker. it is you know and then I can tell you're full of shit dude like you know I don't believe you you know zero passion yeah and I'm like you just are spouting out information you may be seen on the internet uh or you know on a forum or something and uh it's it sucks it's just it's it's fucking horrible but there's there's a lot of different things like for instance one that you got heated on if you don't want mind talking about this was Zaldane catching that fish on live scope well that is that is something that's going to change you know in my mind what i saw was somebody wind a bait into a fish that was suspended under the boat and when he felt the pressure he swung where that i've been fishing a swim bait for a lot of years and unless you're designing a swim bait that turns around and hooks fish in their belly well i've never seen that happen and i've seen a lot of fish come to the boat do fish get foul hooked on a swim bait yeah they do Mm -hmm. all the time but it's always under the chin it's always on top of the head it's in the gill plate it might be in the tail i've never seen one hooked under the belly he ran that swim bait that's sight fishing to me and that's how it's going to be yeah. across the board if you're sight fishing and you hook a fish outside the mouth he cannot go in the live well well you're basically sight fishing with the live scope am i against the live scope no i'm not i think it has a great purpose does it have to have some rules of course like everything yeah you know there's always rules and there's always going to be people that are going to be called complainers or whiners because they didn't figure it out no it's just fair okay you're watching a fucking screen where you can see everything that's going on if that fish is not hooked inside the fucking mouth, let it go because you're sight fishing. Really? Yeah. Uh, I'm, that's a watch. That's what it's going like, to become. So, but you could bed fish during a tournament. You can bed fish during a tournament 100%. But if you hook that fish on the outside of the mouth, you cannot put them in the live well. True. That's why everyone on television, camera, everything else, and, and, and just in my observation, <laughs> that fish was caught on film. His whole catch the day before was caught on film too, but I've never seen a highlight from that day, and that was the one of the largest bags weighed in in that tournament. So I don't know if that was something that other people are not agreeing with. But it's still in its infant stages, you know. So like, I feel like the rules got to come. I agree, but like, how would you? I mean, that's a hard one. You see the screen, you think you can't see the bait like fucking snagging. You're right. You know, a hundred percent, but you're seeing that fish where he's at. It's like a video game. Now, if you've been on a boat and you've had it, you could see your bait hit the water. You could see the fish following your bait. They collide. You feel the pressure. You swing. Okay. It's mathematics, dude. you don't always see the bed fish. These guys sometimes fish them in not the clearest of water. They feel the swing. The fish might've run over the bait. They swing, they hook it outside the mouth. They let it go. There's no questions asked. It's the same thing with this live scope, man. You can see these fish. So you think they should apply the same rules to uh, that? Like, say, if it's belly hook, you got to throw it back in. If it's- well, I believe that there's always rules that have to come with a new thing. You know, when I used to back off off course, but back when I used to fish tournaments a lot, when I was winning a lot, one of the things at Piru was first show up, first boat launched. Well, the signups aren't till six o'clock at night but i'd get there at 11 o'clock so i was the first boat out and got my spot mm-hmm. and then they made a rule that that wasn't like that anymore everybody's we'd, complaining we'd, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you know and and complaining in their right rights maybe some people can't get up there and it's not fair to them but you know maybe some people can't afford live scope and it's not fair to them but the fact of the matter is dude is that is sight fishing now 
and anybody that says that it's not is uh, saying that for other purposes because in their heart they know that that's sight fishing. Yeah, that's hard. It's hard, and I guess because you're doing it for money as a tournament name, like his living. Well, a lot of so. people look up to those people, man. I mean, th- those are great sticks. I love to root for Zaldane. Yeah. You know, I just don't agree with what I've seen. That's, the, yeah. The second I seen it, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> yeah. And it seemed like even his I demeanor didn't. changed on camera. Like he wasn't his normal self. He's like, oh, look, they're, uh, they're all fired up. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I'm just saying, bro, I don't apologize to anybody, but, you know. It, it is what it is, and there will be a rule. Watch, it'll happen. No, I just, I, you're the, I never seen the video. You posted it or something, you know, and yeah. some, and you commented. I'm like, oh shit, it kind of does look weird, you know, like when I well, watch. Well, there's the lots of things like that, you know. You got guys in areas that come February, March, and April. They post the shit out of swim bait fish. The rest of the year is all on video. But for some reason, between February and fucking April and the spawn, nothing's on video. Uh, nothing's on video, and the fucking movie stars right there. So if you're catching them bed fishing, why don't you have a video of that? And if you're catching them on a swim bait, why isn't it the same video that comes in July? You have your camera on the boat every day in July. Does your battery yeah. only work in the fucking heat? You know, like just questions. You know, there's there's. There's video these days. Do you take yourself off the internet because you get so fired up or off the Instagram? Because I know I, I need to take a break sometimes uh, and I just not look at shit because I'm like, this is fucking bullshit. I know? don't let it bother me. And one of my keys to all of that shit is uh, I don't read comments. None? No. That's why I like Instagram versus when I used to have Facebook. I turned Facebook off six years ago. I don't give a shit, dude. I don't want to read about how you were constipated this morning. You sat in traffic. <laughs> like, I like seeing pictures. Yeah. You know, and it's cool. And if I feel like reading the story on the picture, I read the story on the picture. But I just like scrolling through it. And I try not to base my day around that. When I get home, I want to spend time with my wife. And now with her job schedule, she doesn't get home till six thirty, seven o'clock and my kids and i don't get to see my older son very often because he works two to ten every day yeah i get home he's gone or he's on his way out the door i start my days really early but i don't want to spend what time i have at home on instagram so i i don't really let it fire me up you know people talk about you know i modify a lot of baits and then here and there i'll get somebody telling me like my best friend is shane morgan dude is the best at finding shit out, man. If somebody <laughs> said something, Shane will know about it, man. He's always been that way. But a lot of times, the way that I have to look at it is, this is such a vast thing. I only get to see what happens in our local areas, right? And maybe on Instagram, okay? But how many guys are out there? Like, people talk about modifying HUDs or modifying this. True. Dude, Butch, myself, modifying HUDs before most of these swim bait fishermen these days took their mouth off their mom's fucking tit dude <laughs> like yeah we're talking you know 20 years ago dude almost 20 years ago the bait came out in 2004 i actually seen it in 2003 it was shown to me and butch which nobody ever talks about by bill simenthal on the lower lake and he had cut it all up and had all kinds of grooves in the side. And I remember his words. He said, the only downfall to the bait is it doesn't have enough tax action. The tail isn't right. Well, Kenny didn't listen to that. And Kenny put it out. And he had a phenomenal thing. And it's still a great bait these days. You know, but everybody wants to talk about how 
they modify things and how I kind of got a little off track and forgot what I was going at. But, you know, they all talk about how other people are modifying things. Could that bother you because you do something so similar? Dude, there's so many people out there that you don't even know. The world's such a big place. Somewhere there's two other guys like me and you sitting down having a similar fucking conversation. Now, whether you ever hear it or not is another story. But unless you're the first, you're not the first. Yeah. And that's, I, I think maybe you see a lot of people, the first way to rig something, the first, the first, the first, it'd be more of maybe if, if you put my way to do it, you know? If 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 there's a hundred different ways to rig the HUD, there's one correct way. You can look it up on fucking YouTube, dude. Just Google Butch Brown rigging on Huddleston. I mean, there's there's... I've seen swivels and split rings and yeah. split rings to swivels to split rings to hooks and like fuck did this bass come out of fucking hollywood with all the jewelry you know like it's 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 really simple man yeah there's there's a right way there's a wrong way there's also ways that work for other people not everything works for the same person yeah so let's talk about uh saltwater because you're a big saltwater fisherman as well um your dad big offshore guy as well too right yeah my dad is up and down the coast everybody knows him his name is butch as well okay and uh Halibut Butch. Lots of people might have met him. He's very distinct. He's not as big as me, but he wears a Confederate hat. (laughs) And he'll tell you just like I'll tell you. You know, great guy. Um, My dad's a legend up and down the coast. I grew up fishing out of Marina Del Rey and Redondo and, you know, further down the line. And then started venturing out and doing other things. And then for years, I didn't do the tuna scene, the albacore, any of that. And Butch has been doing that forever, dude, with Taka's Tackle on his own. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a great tuna fisherman. I listened to a lot of years of of great knowledge, you know, freshwater, saltwater, everything. So when I started doing the tuna thing and started going to the islands and started fishing these situations, like, I had an edge. I already knew. Yeah. I'm not the type of guy. I remember Butch one, told me one time, he said, dude. It sucks because everything I tell you, you fucking remember. So if you put in half of what you put into fishing into your work, yeah, you'll be successful. Yeah, and I'm fucking successful. Yeah, these have been some amazing years out on my own, amazing years working for him. But just wow, wow, I never changed a fucking thing. I don't try to reinvent the wheel. I don't try to take shortcuts. And same thing when it comes to the ocean. There's a lot of new things that come into play, um, top shots and you know, braid and this and that and what lines to fish and what not to fish. I'm I'm really specific again. I fish one fluorocarbon. That's Torre Power Game. Um, they bought the formula from Blackwater. Okay. It's epic and they only make it up to 50 pound, but it is the strongest pound for pound line that I can fish and I believe in How it. How did you find that one? Um, I got the line from Tackle Express, which is a tackle shop yeah, near my yeah. house. If you need anything, go there. Yeah. Tackle Shack's great, too. Don't get offended. Um, <laughs> Tackle Express makes all the funny videos with the Yeah, redhead. yeah. Harry and James <laughs> yeah. and Logan. Yeah. And uh, I bought it in there, and I fished it. And I had tried Seaguar and all the other stuff. And they don't they don't like Seaguar on the long-range boats, you know. And I started fishing a lot in the local again. I took, like, seven years off, I, eight years off. I had some things go on in my life that I just quit fishing, period. And when I got back into it, I got into it pretty heavy. And I like going to the salt. 
you know, so you can split your years. I don't have to be at the lake in the hot ass months, man. I just go out to the ocean. So um, I got this line and I liked it a lot. I tried with the seagar and I was having breaking off and I fish seagar in the freshwater. I fish a Brazex. Mm -hmm. But in the salt water, it, that stuff's not superior to me. It chafes, it, you have other issues, it fractures. People think they can fish a piece of fluorocarbon all day long. Well, once you land one fish on that and you hold it up to the light with a brand new piece, the used piece is milky and fractured. Yep. And it's no longer fluorocarbon. You might as well have mono on. Mm -hmm. You know, it's actually worse than a, a, a new piece of mono. But um, I came across the power game and it's just, it's abrasion resistance. The knot strength is amazing. Um, it's a little expensive. But then I was told by somebody the whole story behind it and why Blackwater had to quit making their line. And Torre bought the formula and they renamed it because that was part of the deal. And uh, it's, it's fucking phenomenal. The story? It's, no, the, the line okay. is phenomenal. You know, Blackwater was a great line. And then you couldn't find it. You know, Butch called around and tackle <laughs> shops and had them send it to the house. You yeah. know, fuck, you got six on the peg, send me all six. Yeah. You know, and then it ran out. And then we found the power game. Oh, I came God. across it, man, and it's exactly the same. Because I can take old 35 of one of my really dwindled down spools that only have a little piece on it. And you can put it right in the feel, the knot tie. Everything is the same. That's nice. And I, I, I love that line, man. You guys, that's one thing I feel like you, you butch instilled into everyone is if you see that one thing, you fucking buy everything of it, you know? Well, that's, <laughs> dude, I, I was taught that if you find a bait that you like, okay, and it catches fish for you, stock up on it. Because one of two things are going to happen. Either they're going to stop making it or they're going to change it. They might change it in something that they make the bait with, therefore it changes the performance mm -hmm. they might change a color they might lose this is if it's made in california god forbid you paint with something because they change fucking regulations on that stuff all the time yeah but everything changes or companies go away and either you're butch brown and you make a mold of everything <laughs> which i love him for and he's taught me a lot about it um or you stock up on it his spinner baits um in the beginning when he found out they stopped making them he drove from here to San Diego in one day and hit every tackle shop that had him and bought them all up. This is before the internet oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Next day, drove from here to up towards San Francisco. Every tackle shop on the way that he could hit. Yeah, obviously, you can't hit 99 and 5 in the yeah, same day. Yeah. But, you know, did that and bought him up. Then, those all ran out. So, he made a lead mold of the head and tied his own. <laughs> and that's the only spinnerbait I fish. So, when and uh, going back to the spinnerbait... When you say you're surgical with it, uh, what kind of things do you like to do differently with that spinner bait that maybe someone else isn't going to? First know? of all, I, I, everything that I'm saying, I was taught. Okay. So I fish the bottom. And when I bump something, I snap the bait. It's not, oh, I'm going to bump something. Should I snap it? Should I not snap it? It's a reflex. I feel anything on there, I snap the bait. Nine times out of ten, the bite comes right after that. So you snap, you wind down, you set the hook. I mean, you feel them. It happens. Um, the blade thing came in fishing in the grass, you know. And I don't want to be one of those guys that are talking about somebody else's 
thing that they dialed in and I've never fished. I've literally, I've spent years fishing this bait, man. So many years. In the beginning when I would fish it, Butch hit the fucking trolling motor one day. He's, I'll put the spinner bait out. We're running across the front of this weed thing. Let me know when you're bit. I was bit, and the motherfucker put the trolling motor on 10, dude, and set the hook <laughs> for me. He's all, now you got him. You know, like, I, I had a lot of, of, of learning curves to go through, you know, because I was very crude and, and, and didn't pay attention to the, the finer details. You know, when it comes to green fish, it's a lot of finer details. And the spinner bait is very feel-orientated. You can't have your finger on the line trying to feel the blades. You need to have confidence that you're fishing the right rod. Mm-hmm. Um, the butt of the rod stays in my chest. I fish direct. I can feel the blades in my chest. I, it's just everything, you know. Do you uh, you like using mono on that as well? Yes, okay. I, I will yes. fish fluorocarbon in certain situations, but okay. twelve pound p line, dude, is 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 pretty right for it. You know, with the right rod, the right reel, the castability, distance is really key. And when you're throwing a full spool of fluorocarbon, you really, you can load up, okay? You can make casts, <laughs> but you got to remember if you have a backlash, that is now no good because if that kink yeah. is outside your rod when you set the hook, there is a very strong percentage that you're going to break your fucking line. Yeah. You know? The cool thing to hear is, is when you talk swim bait fishermen, you're not just always throwing swim bait, but I feel like top water almost gets put into that same categories of swim bait you know what i'm saying it does it does if i go out to throw top water though dude strictly in the right months and i'm targeting a big fish opening to close it's the only thing i have on the boat i might have a couple different presentations mm-hmm. you know i might have a punker I'm, i'll definitely have this you know tanner's bait always goes and um you just kind of have to read like we talked about in the beginning mm-hmm. the situation you know this bait for me the great grandpa and then this giant bait for me isn't a fast bait okay and sometimes they want that punker on the fast snap and if i'm just going out to get bit then i read the signs and that is what it is but if i'm targeting a big fish then i've got the great grandpa tied on and this year it'll be the bigger bait and i will put in the time i might not get a roll mm-hmm. i not might not get a, a blow up i might not get anything but i'm gonna do what i need to do to get the bite that i'm looking for i'm not looking for you know <laughs> a fucking 10 to 25 pound i'm not looking for a fucking shitty 10 pound to, to, 25 anything, pound <laughs> to be honest with you man i'm 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 looking for that 35 plus and i really want a 50 so I can have a double lake record, one at Pyramid and one at Castaic, and then you guys can all suck it. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is, man. You don't uh, you don't like fishing any other lakes? Um, I do. You do? I, I, I like Silverwood. I like Diamond Valley. Um, Paris has some nice stripers in it that a lot of people overlook, but not all of those things are practical anymore. For yeah, me to right. go to the closest one would be Silverwood. But for me to go to Diamond Valley, that's a hundred dollars in gas. Fuck right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I drive a V ten. You know, <laughs> I taught I tow a twenty one foot boat. Yeah. Like it it costs money, you know. And then also I can't go to these other lakes in when if there's a storm and I I like to fish storms, in the right months. You know, everybody does. Mm-hmm. And I can't travel across five counties and expect my boat to stay dry and go to Diamond Valley and get turned around. Hell, it happened before dude I oh won a, really won a tournament a week before came back out there 
it was raining, had a little bit of water in the boat, was told that everything would be okay, but uh, got okie doked by the second place team's brother, who was an inspector, who oh, failed us. fuck. Yeah, I lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> he ran, little fucker. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, 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 it's how it happens. That's a long way, man. You know, with gas prices now, it, it makes it tough. I make good money. And I don't really look at what I spend on the gas, but when I'm traveling like that and towing the boat, yeah. Do that's you why like, I like the salt water. Right. You don't yes. have to worry about it. Right? That's what you were saying earlier. Yeah. Uh, do you hit NorCal <coughs> at all? Will you try um, to go up there and fish a stripe no, in the Delta? No. I actually, I, I, I haven't as surprising as it, as it is to a lot of people are going to be like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. uh, dude, I've never fished any of the big bass lakes up there. I've never been to Clear Lake. I've never been to pedro i've never wow. been i've never been past pyramid besides isabella yeah which we're not going to talk about <laughs> uh, but uh you, you know i haven't been up there um i have some good friends up there i have yeah. a buddy matt up there um my buddy danny who owns bassaholics dan norman um he travels a lot he has a brand new vexus he bought that first one at the show years Damn. ago the bad boy and yeah. he's put another 80 grand into the boat it's ridiculous uh, motorhome everything he goes up there they kick the shit out of fish up there but you know what in the last year and a half since i've really gotten back into it um two years my work situation has been unbelievable i can't complain man. Mm -hmm. i do custom drywall I have some good contractors and they keep me busy and I, the fish aren't going to go away. That's another one of those things that I was taught by a great mentor, you know, like, dude, the fish are going to be there tomorrow. The work yeah. might not. You, uh, and I, I feel like you kind of want to hit those records close to home. You're not looking to really, uh, well, it's how much time can I put in on Pedro? Okay. True. Let's say I can go to Pedro. Pedro's a great lake, dude. I got guys that are on great bites up there year round. You know, I get, I hear about it all. I don't go up there and fish their shit, you know? Yeah. Um, but how much time can I put in? Let's say I got to go once this month. Let's yeah. say I got to go once next month. Why wouldn't I That's fish a lake that I that. fished 500 times yeah. and I know where things might happen and I'm more in tune with it than chasing other people's bites. I agree with that. And and that's one thing I hear people say, you know, like about Butch, like, hey, he's, and I said it on the podcast previously, like, well, he only does it at that one lake. I'm like, well, tell me another guy that can do it. First of all. At another lake like that. First you know of all, saying? feel free. I used to hear that all the time. Oh, Butch catches the same fish. No, he doesn't. Okay. <laughs> and the lagoon's so easy. Really? Because I watched you come down here the other day, and like in the beginning of the show, I was talking about it. You launched your fucking boat. You went clockwise, counterclockwise around the lake. You put your boat on the trailer, and you went home. You know, guys, I'm not going to say any names, yeah. fish fucking crawdads up there all the time, and then call their buddies to come and take fucking swim bait pictures and, and say that they caught Hang them. Dude, oh, you didn't. Yeah, I've watched all this shit go down. The whole fucking history. I'm not going to say names and start blasting people on this show. But you know who you are. And I know your gig. Like, it's not easy. That lake will hand your fucking ass to you yeah. all the time. That dude, he, yes, he's fished down there. The lake opened the year I was born, 1974. Fuck. He was the second in line. I think there was a sale. I've heard the story a hundred fucking times. I think that's Swimbit Underground just did it. There's a thing, sailboat yeah. in front of him. Like, dude, the whole the whole thing, the guy fished there forever. It only used to be open on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He was first in line every day. 
He rode his ass and he had a little trolley motor on the back all the way to the other end of the lake. Started fishing his shit. Guys would come down there, try to fish the bike. Fuck, he's already got five. Yeah. You know, over ten. <laughs> you know, like, dude, it's not an easy lake to fish. Everybody thinks you just go down there. Yeah, you can go down there and catch fish, but you're not catching the fish. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy to see him go, you know, that that time for that, um, that the uh, the 20 or the 19 is gone. Dude, the day that that happened, I was doing a side job. I worked for Butch. Uh-huh. He went to the lake. We had an early day. I went to Stan Vandenberg's house, yeah. who's a saltwater guy. I've been around a long time. Freshwater, too. Um, went to Stan's, did a job. I was loading up my stuff in my car. I had a, a Scion then, my big ass <laughs> and a Scion. But it was great on gas, and it yeah. hauled ass through the canyon. Butch called me. And when I answered the phone, my first thought was either he sunk his boat or somebody died. He was crying. And he said, Robert, where are you? I said, I'm at Stan's. I'm about to leave. He said, dude, he's caught the biggest bass of my life. And he's got tears in his voice. I can hear it, man. I, I, I spend more time with this guy than my family. Yeah. You know, I, every day in the truck with him. And I said, I'm on my way. I hung up. Before I even got out of the fucking neighborhood, my phone rang two times from Stan. Like, he wanted to know what was going on, but I didn't have time to answer the phone. Yeah. I made it from Simi Valley by Sinaloa Lake to the lagoon in traffic in less than an hour. Driving the emergency lane. (laughs) Fucking (laughs) stupid shit, dude. I thought we had a lake record. We got there, and the boat was still on the water. And he's standing there. He's talking to the lifeguard, and he's like, this will be the first time I opened it since we got here, and I showed the lifeguard and well, he didn't uh, fuck with it it was just no still in the, it was oh. in the live well you know and this is a 150 quart cooler yeah. dude you've seen it like he goes to open it and the fish splashes and i slam it with my foot and i'm like oh dude you gotta pull the boat out of the water dude we cannot do, fucking do this <laughs> i've been in that boat dude when we're on an epic bite and we got four five ten pounders in there you know and sometimes you got to let them go because they don't fit we just figure out what the smallest fish is and throw a 10 pounder out without a picture uh-huh. i've seen teeners jump out of the fucking boat whoop Whoop. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know, no picture of those ones, you yeah. know? And for me, it was kind of a big deal because I was new to it all. And a 10-pounder was a big deal back then. Like, oh, fuck. Right? It yeah. still is. Yeah, I know. It's, I, to me, it's kind of more now than it was before. Yes. And it wasn't easy to catch them. Not everybody could catch them. You know, people catch one and put on six different shirts and five hats. <laughs> I know who you are. Um, but, you know, and claim they caught five fish. Like, yeah. I have fucking pictures of my shit you know yeah there were days where i didn't get pictures but it is what it is i've caught five 10 pounders out of the back of butch's boat the only guy that's ever done it behind him my god 50 pounds dude twice oh yeah over that we caught 60 i think that was 66 pound limit and that's yeah is that one of the biggest recorded uh he's got a bigger limit that's a bigger limit there i was i came down that day Shit, yeah. dude. Um, there's some, there's some epic shit, dude. You know, when you have an 18 pound anchor, you know that's, <laughs> that, that that equals a big fucking stringer. You know, you yeah. got three teeners and the big one's 18 pounds. You get up there real quick. You know. Um, back to the story though. So you guys pulled the boat out of the water. And- yeah, we pulled the boat out of the water, and he had the scale, and uh, we pulled it out and i man i really didn't even want to hold it like i've seen people drop fish it's never happened to me but they're violent dude a big fish like that has a lot of power and you think i got strong hands 
he's got strong hands. We both work with our hands yeah. every day, but dude, there's times when you grab a fish and they just have so much awkward turn, it gets out of your hand. Your thumb is your weakest part of your grip, you yeah. know, and they turn the wrong way and they get out. So I grab the fish with two hands and he gets the scale and standing on the ramp and we weigh it. And it's like 19, 5, 19, 3, 19, 19, 5, 19, 3, 19, 5, 19, 3. And he's all 19, 3. You know, and I'm like, oh, fuck, maybe it could have been 19, 5. You know, like, <laughs> but, you know, just being honest about it. And it was just such a, a, a great experience, dude. And he's like, wait till you see the video. I mean, lots of people have never, I don't know if anybody besides a select group of people have ever seen the entire video, mm -hmm. like the aftermath of when he had it in. Because when he reaches up to take off his glasses is when like emotion just comes out of him. And I love that kind of shit these days. Like I go on boats, I help people out. I get more excitement now out of you catching a 10 pound calico than me catching a 13 pound calico, if yeah. there's such a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But Shane Morgan, the, he, he caught a 13 pounder. I caught a 16 pounder. I took two pictures of that fucking fish because I was more excited that day about <laughs> that he his 13. That. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we had several other fish that day over 10 pounds. That was an epic day. We had to let him go. There was no room in the live well. And uh, I was more excited about that. Now, I go on these ocean trips, and I catch a lot of fish. And I don't take fish home. I give it away. And But I get more excited helping people out maybe with some fly lining tips or handing a rod to somebody that just can't function right to get bit. You know, it's the ocean. Everybody gets bit. But in a tough bite, maybe handing off a yellowtail and then walking with somebody and hanging out with them and the tuna bites, handing off a fish. I get more excitement out of that now than catching a fish myself. There's very few times in the last, I don't know, 10 Probably years. Probably the, the Western Outdoor News fish. Was well, the last yeah, that was a pretty epic fish, but yeah. the cast before that, I had a fish that all the way to hunt. me that, yeah. again, was well over 40 pounds. You ever think about fucking gaffing them? Because if you know if it's uh, that you big. You can't. No. You can't, oh, not shit. in the freshwater. Damn. Because there's 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 fish, you know, the, you, there's something in the rules and regulation in DFG. You cannot have a gaff in the freshwater. A lot of these fish have slot limits, dude. Okay. Who are you to judge if they're right or not? True. Once you stick a hole in them, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's dead. slot limits in the ocean, too, on yeah. certain fish. Yeah. And, you know, but they don't, people don't gaff fish that they don't think are under. What is your net of choice for stripers? My net of choice? Yes, because that's a big fucking fish. And if you got to depend on the net, what um, are you using? I, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I got a net from Shane, dude. It's like an old school, those blue nets. <laughs> it looks like like I could put this fucking table in it, you know? It's really? kind of a pain in the ass, but Promar makes some really good nets, dude. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of great nets out there. I'm not really a brand guy. Um, that's why I don't, like, rep a lot of people. Uh it's not that I don't believe in their products. I know one of your major sponsors is Phoenix. Yeah. Um, let me touch on that. Everybody asks, like, hey, Rob, dude, Phoenix. You know, I've had several people tell me, you know, guys from Phoenix. Dude, we'd love for you to, you know, be a Phoenix guy. And I'm like, I am a Phoenix guy. <laughs> in the freshwater. Yeah. When it comes to salt water, my choice of poison is Seeker. You know, it's not that Phoenix doesn't make a great saltwater product. That's just what I'm comfortable fishing. And same thing when it comes to reels. Just recently, in two years ago, I switched over. I'm all Daiwa in the freshwater. Mm -hmm. All Saltigas from 15s to 62 speed. You know, um, in the freshwater, 
all Shimano except for that Daiwa Lexa that I throw okay. the magic bait with. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's, I, I, I don't want to butch again. So much was taught by him and I listened. I don't forget, dude. Mm-hmm. He buys everything. He doesn't ask for anything for free. If people send him stuff and he doesn't believe in it, he sends it back. And no offense to anybody that that happens with. And same thing with me. I don't want to go to the lake and I'm not one of the makers of Bottom Dweller, but I'm sponsored by Bottom Dweller. Mm -hmm. And they're biting the uh, Gancraft, the the one they make. Mm -hmm. And I can't fish that because I'm sponsored by Bottom Dweller. I don't want to be that guy. I want to fish what I want to fish. And you're not a tournament angler or, you know, like a... You don't you don't depend on this as your living, so it's a different story. I well. don't. You know, I don't. I tried for a while. I was making a lot of money back when I was winning everything, you know, and I would find myself, I, you know, just things weren't right in my life now. Now I have an amazing wife, an amazing stepson. My older son lives with me. Um, my life is good. And when I go to the lake, I pay my entry fee and whatever it is, it is. And me and Eddie have left probably five times this year where we're in the money, dude, but we just tell the director, like, God, oh, just send it to us. I'd rather get home. Yeah. You know, I want to go home to what, what I want to do now. I fish the tournament, and, <laughs> you know, but I, I don't want to be locked in with somebody and only be able to fish their product. You know, everybody makes a great product, but not everybody makes every great product. That's the truth. And I always talk about that and I get... I've talked to guys, and I get if you're uh, sponsored by a company, your tournament guy, there's not much you can fucking do. It's you got to fish what what you're dealt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So even you know, if you're making a money move, and you're you're a professional tournament guy, and that's going to pay your bills, I get it. And you got to rep it. I fucking get it, hundred percent, because that's that's your your livelihood. But look at that, dudes. Phoenix. There you go. See that nice on there? Plug. Hang on the other dirty. side. Seeker. Seeker. You know, Finn bait. Oh, hang on. The good street. one. Bottom dwellers. And you got Slay Dirty there. Fucking pet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tackle Express. The Butch Brown Hybrid Tune. Oh, man. How, did you watch Just him? a water jug, Nick. <laughs> Calm down, man. Oh, man. I thought there was something <laughs> special in that bitch. <laughs> no, I don't drink for other people's safety. That's a key. That's a key. Um, the uh, But no, I, I get when people, you know, like, I think that what you do is cool because... You're, you're pretty true to yourself, Fisherman. So is Butch. I mean, he's got his sponsors, which is depth and, you know, like stuff like that. But he chooses to fish what he wants. He fishes what know? he wants. Butch, Butch, he fishes different rods for different things. Depths takes care of them. And they understand there's certain things. I mean, Butch's spinnerbait rod, a guy made it for him for Calico's. Oh, fuck, dude. 30, 30 years ago when he fished it up until recently, yeah. I think it, it, it had some problems in the blank itself. And, you know, that was just no boron blank, man. It was just the most uncomfortable rod for me to pick up. I'm like, you motherfucker, <laughs> man, you know, but I've seen 16 pound bass come on that thing on a spinnerbait, like legitimate. And, uh, you know, same thing with another guy that taught me a lot, Greg Silks. Um, he was the same way. He had things that he liked to fish and everybody tried to give him stuff, but this is what he fished. And Greg's another another person that helped you. You're one of the people just, that I've talked I to. I just as well. talked to Greg yesterday, man. It was so awesome to talk to him. It's been a minute. You know, our lives took different directions. Um, there was a time I met Greg 
striper fishing, obviously going to the Fred Hall show, looking at his fish in the coolers on ice, you know, and then I got close with them, you know, cool with them and got invited fishing a few times and then did some drywall work for him and his buddy Randy that he used to be partners with. And then uh, my mom passed away 15, 16 years ago and I, I took off for a year and a half and went up to Big Bear and, you know, just did my thing, you know, just try to change my life around and Silverwood was just down the hill. Well, I used to fish with Greg all the time, dude. <laughs> and, you know, I learned a lot of stuff from him, a lot of knowledgeable stuff, um, things on why stripers are so light sensitive. And that all plays into the big picture, man. Anybody can go out and just fish a high spot, but when you understand which way shadows go and... That's what, such a big thing, the shadow line stuff. Well, is you know, take take your finger and you're, you're, you're at the... At the at the lake on a beach you know okay. and you take your hand and you put it out and your finger's only this wide but when the shadow hits the water and goes down five feet it's now this wide but it's also on an angle so just because a buoy's right here doesn't mean there's a shadow underneath it yeah you know it means that that the shadow is in the correct direction so where you present your bait and cast the shadow all matters just because you're fishing over a high spot doesn't mean that the sun is on that side and now your shadow is over there in 32 feet of water it's not out here in 80 feet of water. And these fish find those shadows. Stripers have an extra light receptacle in their eye. And it's, it's important. It plays in. And learning angles and things like that and where your bait shows itself to these fish. It's not necessarily right above them. But again, if the sun is over here and you throw your bait here, the shadow is not directly below it. It's over there. So when you, you learned that, was it like a, a big game changer for you? One of it was. was it, it was bait presentation is huge. Bait presentation, um, where you put your boat, um, not letting them know you're there. Um, back when I used to fish the tournaments before I quit for a while, when I was winning everything, people would be like, "Dude, why why are you always on the anchor?" Well, because that's first of all, that's how. I was taught by Butch. We mm -hmm. fished on the anchor and we would position the boat and tie the anchor to the boat. Whatever the wind was blowing so we could make the best presentation. Well, when you turn everything off, and I have electronics on my boat, man. <laughs> I have a 21-foot Triton, dude. Yeah. I have fish finders. I have everything. I, Eddie has a, a, a Ranger with everything on it. Dude, if it was up to me, they stay off. Unless I'm looking for something, then they get turned on. And nine times out of ten, I only use the maps. Mm -hmm. um, I just need to know the area and where I'm at. Yeah. And then I'll set up from there. And an anchor is a huge thing. Trolling motors are fucking loud, dude. I'm a water baby. I'm always <laughs> in the water. You can hear a trolling motor. You can hear the sonar pinging. You can, you hear all this shit, Damn. dude. And a lot of guys don't jump in water around boats, so they don't know. You think you're being stealth because you got the quietest prop or you got yeah. this. You're not. You're not. If you knew what swam off the point before you got there, you would rethink what you're thinking, you know. But you're a percentage guy, so I've heard guys say with the live scope, percentages. You get more percentages if you can set up on those fish. Nick, to be honest with you, besides my opinion on it being a sight fishing thing, uh -huh. I'm not really dialed in okay. on it. Um, we have it on the Ranger, okay, and... To me, I, I mean, it has come into play in a couple of situations, you know, where we've seen fish moving, especially when it's schooling fish, you know, and they're chasing bait and they're all of a sudden they're over here and then they're over here and you could see them on that and they're 50 feet out 
Okay, so you make a cast and you hook a fish and you're like, fuck yeah, dude, that thing's badass. <laughs> but then the next hour, you're looking at it and you're like, fuck, I sure am wasting a lot of time today looking at this fucking sonar. It's really cool to watch the fish swim around, but uh, I can't get them to eat shit, you know? So I hit the power button. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I can't dedicate my day. I have instinct and this computer might tell me something, but my mind is telling me that this is what I need to be doing. And then I catch a fish doing this and it's, and it's really satisfying. I don't want to be codependent on something all the time. I got to have my sonar. When I first bought my Triton, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> like five or six trips, I never even took the sonars out of the locker. They came with helixes and yeah. everything. And, and I was at Pyramid, and my buddy Daniel asked me, he said, dude, you can put your sonars on? And I'm like, oh, fuck you, man. maybe I'll check them out this time. <laughs> and I put them on. I think I turned them on once. And, you know, and then I had to take them off and put them away. Like, I'd rather leave them leave put them away. Leave them off and not yeah. even fuck with them, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's cool. I could care less what people look at me and think yeah. I have and everything else, you know, like that's, that's a lot of people these days. They're so worried about what everybody sees and, you know, either they got to look really cool or they got to look really <laughs> secretive. Like, dude, unless you're fucking winning, I don't want to know what you got. It's real simple, man. Or look really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't care about looking cool, dude. I got a smoking hot wife, dude. <laughs> I got a nice truck. I got a nice boat. I, yeah. I don't need to have the fancy if this is fancy. As long as I'm happy, you know, it took a long time. I'm 48 years old, dude. I've been through some pretty serious shit in my life. Yeah. You know, I've spent a lot of time away from society. Yeah. And learned my lesson. And, uh, I'm rehabilitated. Uh, not really, but the, you know, the best, the best yeah. you can. He's still in there. He's, he's, he's fucking just locked away. Well, I got, um, I got some questions for you. It's a new segment I'm going to do. It's called nine questions with Nick head. With okay. Nick head. Yes. So you could say pass. No gay shit, Nick. First thing's gay shit right off the bat. Oh my God. <laughs> no, it's uh, Jeremy. Listen up. Jeremy's going to love this. Um, so here's the first question with Nick Head. What's your PB largemouth? Is uh, 16.9. Wow. What was that on? Huddleston. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't need to be a long answer. Um, uh, this is, uh, let's do for fishing. Have you ever been arrested fishing? No, but I've had my car confiscated and then went fishing after that. How did your car get confiscated? Uh, I fucking had bad tags when I was younger. I just let them go bad. <laughs> <laughs> we were on our way up to the lake, and actually Butch was right there, Butch and another friend of ours, and I got pulled over for no seatbelt. Oh, shit. And I got lippy with the fucking highway patrol guy. <laughs> and he just, you know, when they ran my name, it changed the whole topic, and he just became a dick and I was a dick back and he took my car and I was still a dick and I still went to the lake and I still caught fish. <laughs> and Butch told me, don't worry about it, dude. I'll give you the money in the morning. You just go get another one. I'm like, Fuck it. Nah, damn <laughs> um, this is a worst boat fail. It's like the worst fucking thing you've done on your boat or like dropped it off the trailer. Uh, the so worst boat fail ever for me is I used to fish with a buddy of mine, Corey Dispensiero, and we went to Casitas and there was a tournament there. We signed up for the tournament. We launched the boat, and the fucking batteries were dead. He didn't plug them in. And the, I caught that day while he slept in the truck because he partied all night long with Ron Cervenka on the back of the boat tied to the dock like 56 pounds on the HUD. I was oh the only one that had God. the HUD. 
And that you you were fishing a tournament. Uh, uh, we we got our money back. We couldn't fish the oh, tournament. Because... No, I just stayed tied to the dock, and I told him, "Fuck that! We're not driving back from Casitas without me fishing." Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's another one for your type of fishing. Your favorite rod? So, what say striper? Uh, well, it's bait specific. Let's let's uh. What are you throwing majority of the time, for striper? I'm throwing a Loomis. Okay. Perfect. Oh no, for top water. Yes. Oh, is the Phoenix. Phoenix? The 909. Okay. The medium one, not the light one. I don't know the number. Yeah, it's general. Um, What is uh, your scariest moment fishing? Uh, I was at Castaic one night fishing, and uh, it was high water, summertime, and I just walked across the ramp, and I had a couple of stripers, and I put them underneath a trash can so the raccoons wouldn't take the assholes and the eyeballs out of them <laughs> and uh i sat down on a rock to put my shoes in my backpack and i stood up to swing my backpack over my sh- backpack over my shoulder and literally three feet from me full-grown fucking mountain lion screams at me and if i didn't just piss i would have pissed my pants <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you now literally screamed at me every hair on my body by the time i could reach into my backpack to grab a knife that i had because i can't carry a gun um <laughs> Uh, grab a knife that fucker was so far away and dude that was i mean i've seen bears i've seen all kinds of shit i just no problem dude this has been the first uh, that no it wouldn't have been the first one i watched one kill a raccoon 10 feet from <laughs> oh, me he didn't shit. even know i was there yeah i watched him just hit the raccoon jump on the raccoon carry him away i was like oh shit <laughs> don't make a noise you know but this one screamed at me okay uh last you don't have to explain it. last time you've been in a fight Last time I've been in a full-blown fight was about three years at a bar. Okay. Three years ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. I try not to fight, man. I I really don't. If I go out with my wife, it always seems that I've got somebody that's eye-fucking me. But I got to really... I've changed a lot. I used to just... I just assume slap you immediately and wait for your reaction. (laughs) But now I'll just tell somebody, like, hey, whatever you're thinking, dude, let's rethink this because it's not going to go down that way. Good call. Good call. Um, three top uh, bait for fishing. Favorite types. Three. You, for, so let's do stripers. For stripers would be the fin bait. Mm-hmm. The great grandpa, actually. Okay. Uh, standard punker. And uh, the Z plug. Okay. Um, <laughs> when's the last the time? The depths works really <laughs> well, too. <laughs> I just don't choose to give them up because the ones that I have are special. Yeah. When's the last time you shit your pants? Bro, I got Crohn's disease. That happens <laughs> fucking daily. <laughs> nah. Um, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. But I got Crohn's disease, so that's not that's not a non-regular occurrence. <laughs> um, the last one is people make fun of me for wearing jorts. Do you own a pair of jorts? Jorts? What the fuck is that? Jean shorts. Oh, no. No, I don't own a pair. But mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't make fun of you. <laughs> you got the right body type to pull it off. I'm long and lanky, dude. Those would look like sh- pants for you I look on like, me. I look like a, a cholo still, like from, from the 90s. Yeah. It's okay, I'll say. <laughs> um, well, I want to say thank you, Rob, for coming on. Let's plug uh, your bait company. Kind of give everyone uh, some info on it so they know when, when shit's going to drop. Yeah, bottom dwellers, guys bottomdwellerbaits.com it's a six inch 
weedless bait, fish with a beast hook. What size beast hook do you recommend? Um, I like 8-0. You can get away with a 6-0 um, if it's an open water thing and they're really biting it, but I like an 8-0. What weight do you like if you're dragging on the bottom? Um, you can go, at, we, I, I fish this well all the way from a quarter ounce to the three quarter ounce okay. you can buy it you know um started with a 10-0 in it it was just too big the 8-0 was pretty good the 6-0 works good for me but it might not be for everybody i'm really responsive on the bite so i i know what to wait for you can't just swing every time you get bit on a weedless bait if you don't know by now you need to wait till it loads up a little bit you know back in the beginning when i first got the weedless huds that was the thing but the bottom dweller was made for the hook to just ride right the pocket is oversized we had to lessen it a little bit but it all worked out in the long run we're going to have a drop on these baits this month on the 28th okay uh, i believe it's this month sorry eddie if i'm off by a month but i think <laughs> it's this month on the 28th um it's I, I can't tell you it's the best thing in the world but it's the best thing that we could come up with and we put a lot of heart and soul into this you know eddie Eddie's a phenomenal bait maker, dude. He has great ideas, and uh, I'm very fortunate to tag along. And, you know, I got to put some input on this bait, and everybody wants to have it. And yeah. Soon they will, you know, but it's <laughs> not just going to be, you know, like I said earlier, neither of us want to devote our whole life to making plastics. Yeah. Like, I'm a drywaller. He's a fucking manager at Costco. And yeah. We both have families and love to fish and do other things. This is just like a little side thing to maybe help some people catch some nice fish. And we're going to target both freshwater and saltwater. So it can be no, fish I with a beast cool. hook or a jig head. You could put it on the back of a vibrating jig. You know, you could put it on the back of a swim jig, you know, a yeah. bigger hooked swim jig. Um, the plastic is right. Not too soft, not too hard. We played with all that. It's nice to have a super soft bait, dude, until you're buying them. <laughs> For me, I can make it as soft as I want. All you day pull long, it apart right? with your fingers, no problem. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the colorways. How many colors? Are these are the colors you're um, doing right This here? one is not. This is spinner bait that I talked about so okay. much. This is Butch Brown's colors. <laughs> <laughs> um, right now, we got bone, a couple of different shag colors, blue. We've got some pearls. Trying to have about five to six colors okay. um, to come out. And Eddie comes up with the names for those, so I'm sorry that I don't know them all. I named <laughs> I named the bait the Shiner, and uh, he came up with the company name. Uh, it's it's a great bait. You guys are going to be really stoked on it. And uh, for the guys that we've taken money from, you know, in the tournaments, you'll be happy to have it too. <laughs> you'll be happy to have it too. Well, fucking thanks, Rob. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I appreciate and, uh, it. And hopefully, man. we could do something soon where we go all three on and do a QA roundtable. For sure. When you have time. Sure. Yeah. Oh, with fucking Shane? Yeah. Ah, and Stefan. Nah. <laughs> Love them both, man. Both great guys. All right. So, thanks uh, for coming on, Thanks, bro. Nick. It.